Hey everybody, you are listening to the Vocal Advancement Podcast, which is a podcast for voice teachers by voice teachers, and I am one of your hosts, I'm Tom, and I have the lovely Heather with me today. Ciao. Ciao, ragazze. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what that means. <laughs> so how's it going, Heather? How's life in outside life Manchester? It's busy. Busy. But good. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy your extra hour in bed this weekend, last weekend? No, because I have small children, so you don't get an extra hour in bed. <laughs> Anyone with small children will know that whole clock changing thing is just a, um, yeah, it, it's false. It doesn't work for us. It just means the, the kids children get up are up earlier. at 4.30 <laughs> instead of 5.30. <laughs> yes, I woke up at 7 and I was like, oh, that's lovely. Oh. <laughs> I'm not jealous at all. Well, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. No, <laughs> I even kept them up late the night before, and they still got up early. But never mind. I, I tell you what, I went. To, I went to see a burlesque show this last weekend. Oh. Hmm? Lots of ladies with the boobies out. It was very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I've, I've, I can't say that I've seen a proper full-on burlesque show before. It was. Uh, yeah, something new to add mm. to my list of things to watch. I just love the fact that there's so much live theatre and, you know, we missed it. I feel like I'm making up for lost time this year. I've seen so much. <laughs> I know. I have a theatre voucher to use that from rescheduled during COVID. And I was looking at the programme the other day. I'm like, oh, what to see? So I think I'm going to go and see Six the Musical. Oh, I saw that recently. Brilliant. <gasps> oh, Took my kids to see it. Highly inappropriate for children, but they oh. love it. <laughs> they know all the words uh but just be warned there's no interval so you know get all your snacks oh, really? before you go in no it's a one act show oh. it's an hour and you're in out wham bam thank you man which really? is why it's actually quite good for the kids because you know attention span and whatnot they were able to hold their attention but that's because because i was reading about it so it started life as an edinburgh festival show from a university society didn't that's it right, and then... yeah went straight to the West End because it was yeah. so good. It is good. I mean, it is. It's very good. Um, it's very, in I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'd see it again. Yeah, definitely. It lives up to the, the hype, but yes, yeah, it's, it's short. Well, I saw, because I saw the port we went to see Book of Mormon recently, which was rescheduled like four times. It's a great and that was show. really good. That was very mm -hmm. funny. So funny. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's a yeah. great show. I love that one. But it was so nice to be back at a show again. I was sitting watching thinking, oh, I've missed live singing. Yeah, I love it. We went to see, uh, I took the kids to see, same night as the, I see two shows in one day uh, this last wow. weekend. I, mean, I was like, uh, went to see uh, a local theatre company doing Legally Blonde musical, oh, took yeah. the kids to see that. And that, I now regret that because I've not heard anything but the kids going, oh my God, oh my God, you guys, constantly ever since. Great times. Yeah. I went to see that. My friend surprised me with tickets for that at the Playhouse, but it had Duncan from Blue in it. And that got stuck oh, in my really? head for about three days. <laughs> Very catchy. It is. So, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so who's our guest today, Tom? We should be talking about that, really, shouldn't we? <laughs> we should. So our guest today is the lovely Lynn Hilton, who is talking about mindset and yes. all the many strings that she has in her bow. She's been, she has a lot of strings to her bow, that lady. She does. She's had quite a varied career from nursing to voice teaching to mindfulness. I mean, she's Hypnosis. done a lot of stuff. Yes. The works, yeah. 
So I think we should just shut up and get straight to it. Shall we let her tell us about that? Because she'll know what it's called. There we are. Better. (laughs) I would hope so. So, Lynn, thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We're delighted to have you with us. Um, and we're looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better after the webinar you did for us about mindset. Yes, well, thank you very much for having me and uh, mm-hmm. look forward to our chat. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, Lynn, just for um, those people out there who are listening who may not have come across you before, could you. L- kind of let us in into your journey because it's been quite a round the houses kind of a journey to getting to where you are and what you're doing for a living right now. Maybe fill us in on 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 where you started and the, the steps that you took to get to where you are. Sure. I think like many singers, I started off in music and singing very young um, at school and at church. And it was something that I just naturally could do. Uh, and it didn't really occur to me at that point uh, to take it professionally. In fact, at that time, um, I was determined to go off and save the world. So I actually went into nursing and I trained as a general nurse. And I really enjoyed it, but I hadn't realised how much I missed music until I started um some point when I was living in Sydney because I'm originally from Perth in Australia and I moved over to Sydney and I'd been talking to this nurse who was doing agency nursing whilst pursuing an acting career and I was like oh that's interesting so maybe I can do both I can still be involved in music and um and still nurse so I started having lessons and actually from the very first moment I started singing in front of this teacher which was quite nerve-wracking because it was an audition um, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever happens with this audition, I am going to get back into music and singing. So I pursued it more as a hobby. And then one of my jobs when I got back to Perth was a nine to five and it freed me up to actually do stuff on the weekends. And so I did a lot of amateur um stuff at the time. And as soon as I started singing jazz, I was like, this is where I want to be. It took me, I would say, two years to undo all the classical training in terms of long vowels, vibrato, focusing on the on beat and not the off beat (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, you know, finding swing. Uh, But I was hooked. And so, yeah, that was um, back in the 90s. And so then I was gigging and uh, then really steeped in jazz and wanting to learn more and know more. And I made a decision that that's where I wanted to be professionally as a musician. And I thought one of the sensible ways of doing it would be to go back to uni. And so I auditioned for very, actually I did a, my A-levels and a certificate in jazz at Goldsmiths in preparation. And then I started auditioning for jazz courses. So I used to support myself, um, nurse as, as an agency nurse, got myself into the film world because that felt a little bit more creative, you know, so film and television nursing. I didn't have to do as much nursing work. What 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 is film and television nursing? Oh, so yeah, so especially here in the UK, um, if you work on a film, um, if you have a film production, you need to have medical people standing by. 
So it's like, a different level. Like the St. John's Ambulance people. You yeah, know, just... you're, you're employed by the production. So, and sometimes there will be St. John's. Amazing. Sometimes there'll be fire and police, depending on what the scenes are. But usually oh, the production word. itself will have a medical person standing by, like a unit nurse or a, uh, a medic of some sort. Yeah, so I worked in that industry. That's so cool. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool because I felt like I was hanging around creative people and understanding right. that process. I obviously got to talk to a lot of actors. I worked on a lot of big films and met a lot of big actors. And so it was a really good insight into the mindset of a professional and someone who attained fame. And I knew that I was interested in working in that arena. I didn't particularly want to reach that myself, but I wanted to work around those kind of people. Yeah. And that was just a back thought, you know. At that time I was still gigging and trying to make my way, you know, as a jazz vocalist and find my thing. Anyway, so I um, went back home and I did my degree and as soon as I, well, during that process actually, I was like, none of the teachers that were working with me were giving me the voice that I wanted. So I had this huge flip in my transition, in my bridge, and I was like, um, there are many singers out there who aren't doing that. What is it that they know that I don't? And so mm -hmm. I started going search. I mean, Perth is quite isolated, so it was a bit difficult, but, of course, you know, there was the internet and it st just sort of started coming about, you know, at the time when I did my degree. Um that's how old I am. And then, um, <laughs> so uh, what happened? Oh, yes, that's right. One of my f singer friends in Perth said, oh, there's this really great teacher in L.A. called Seth Riggs and he's got a book and there's all these exercises that I've been doing and it's really helped my voice and it's really strengthened that middle part of my voice. And I remember going to the music store because that's how old I am because we went to music stores <laughs> and leaping through this book singing for the stars and going hmm it's a bit expensive because I think it was about a hundred and ten dollars or something and wow. I was like oh well, a bit a lot you know back then yeah. a huge amount and so I put it back and then I went back another time and I was leafing through it and then I was I, I went the opposite direction which was oh you know, it's just full of famous people and famous people quotes and, you know, that's not very substantial. Is it? How is it going to help me with my voice? Because um, those people are already great singers. And then at some point, maybe a month or so down the track, I'd obviously been thinking about it, I went, I guess those people would not necessarily have had to have created a testimonial for him if they didn't want to. And so maybe there was something in what he did with them and so maybe I should get that <laughs> mm -hmm. so I bought the book and then I did the exercises and literally within three or four of the exercises, the literal, you know, the long scale, the nay, nay, nays, and I suddenly realised that my voice was doing exactly what I wanted it to. I couldn't transition it into singing a song, but I knew that, oh, my gosh, There's something this is going to be in. And so as a third, so this was 90 seven or eight, mm -hmm. and through an internet search, I discovered that there was a teacher in um, in the eastern states who had studied with Seth, and that was going to be the closest I could get. And during the holidays, uh, summer holidays, I went over to Sydney to have a lesson with this guy, and 
he was able to take my voice a little bit further and he was telling me that SLS was in the process of looking to become a training program for singing teachers. And if I was interested in that, um, you know, then he'd keep me posted. In the meantime, I was very much involved in um, choirs in Perth and educational stuff. And I brought him over to do some educational stuff. I took him, I got him into Whopper as well to do some workshops there. And I remember sitting and watching Lee, this is, I don't know if I said his name, Lee McRae, and going, I want to do what he does. Every voice that he came across, he fixed. And there were tears and, you know, people were just going, oh, my God, I've never been able to do that before. I was like, I really want to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I said, yes, I am interested in the training. I'm not sure how that's going to happen. And that's when I started to realise that actually if I want to be a singing teacher, I dabbled in it a little bit, I need to do a lot more. Mm -hmm. And, And so that really opened my eyes to how committed one could be in order to be really skilled as a teacher. And that started my teaching journey. And then I joined SLS. I became um, SLS certified. Uh, I was with SLS for, I want to say, 11 years. I got up to level four because there was four levels, uh, sorry, five levels. I got up to the fourth. I'd also got to a stage where I wanted to explore other things. I was interested in the Mm -hmm. science a bit more and... uh, incorporating more holistic things into um, into voice work. And so that, that was kind of my journey then took me um, to exploring other things. By that stage, I'd been head of uh, vocals at the Academy of Contemporary Music. I worked there for about four years. And actually, I, I sort of left at ACM and SLS around the same time. But I realised there were a lot of singers out there who wanted to have more education. And so I set up a a, a business around educating singers. It was called Share Light Events. And I brought guests in and did events. And um, what else happened? So, oh, that's right. I was able to marry my medical background and my performance background by doing a master's in performing arts medicine. And that opened my mind much more to the holistic how to bring the more holistic approach into my work. So then at what point did kind of the whole mindset Mm. aspect really start to become such a a big feature for you? So I was focused when I left ACM. Well, actually, when I was at ACM, I was getting a lot of students who were doing really well in between. And as soon as they got to their exams, they collapsed and fell apart. And I put on a, an extracurricular course called the Performer's Edge. And basically it was for all instruments um, to look at what makes a successful performer. What's the mindset? What are the practice strategies? You know, what, what are the other things that a successful performer does? And how do we set goals? Um, and how do we practice? So it was a 10-week uh, program. And so I sort of took that into my private practice and I I offered that as a um, course in my private practice. And then I also was getting a bit tired of working with students who had great voices and great talent or, you know, were definitely good enough to be out there working but weren't or 
not in work, mm-hmm. just out there performing at whatever level. And I realised I was struggling a lot more with getting the mindset on board than it was necessarily the voice. The voice seemed mm-hmm. to be working really well, was responding to the exercises, they were doing the work, um, but they just they had the passion, but they just didn't have the mindset. And so I then started to explore, I think for myself as much as anything, especially when I started my own business and I knew that I wanted to have a successful, uh, profitable business, I realised that my mindset wasn't there. And so I'd already started working on my own mindset, doing therapy and different um, different uh, strategies and tools. So I'd learned how to eliminate limiting beliefs through a process called Lefko Belief Process, which I really love. But it's not very quick um, because it relies on the conscious mind to remember things. And then when I heard about rapid transformational therapy and hypnosis, I realised actually that's how I get to those beliefs is actually through the subconscious. And so I then decided to train as a rapid transformational therapist and incorporate a lot more of that work. You know, quite often when someone comes to work with me, they might start off wanting to work on their voice, but then um, we'll talk about, well, what else is standing in the way and more Mm -hmm. it's mindset stuff. And so I just find it very fascinating. And I think, as you can tell by my portfolio career, <laughs> I like new things, you know, it's stimulating. <laughs> I like to learn. And, and I feel also there are a lot of great singing teachers out there. And I'm not sure that I have any more to say or do in that arena. Uh, and that actually I've got sort of certain skill set and background that you know, I can focus on that and it's more useful. Absolutely. I think, I think it is an incredibly useful, you know, part of the bigger picture that does sometimes get overlooked. Mm. Yeah. We've, you know, you've all heard the singers or we've had conversations with singers where the exercises work so quickly, but the brain doesn't catch up. It takes a lot longer for their brain to get there mentally and they don't fully understand what's going on with their voice. And, I think I've always found hypnosis quite interesting as well. I used hypnosis when I was a kid for exam anxiety. I had my little Paul McKenna cassette for my Mm -hmm. standard grades in high school and um, it really helped me. And so I've always had that kind of interest in hypnosis. So RTT is slightly different because it's not straightforward hypnotherapy. It's actually talk therapy, CBT and NLP mixed in with hypnotherapy. So it's... uh, um, so the people talk, you know, the patient talks through the process and comes to um, their realisations themselves. It's not something that the hypnotherapist tells them. Because I had hypnotherapy years ago um, for smoking and it didn't work because my brain was going, I don't believe you and they're not words that I understand or mean anything to me. And RTT works very much on the words that the patient uses and so when they're listening to the recording, it's like themselves talking to themselves. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. With my voice. <laughs> so is RTT similar to CBT? No, no. No. Well, what, in as much the- as that, I'm not an expert on CBT, but it is about um, reframing. Uh, okay. uh, but we add in hypnosis. Yeah. So with RTT, you go, you do the induction and then you find the, you ask the subconscious mind to find three scenes 
that have to do with the current problem. And it's quite interesting because the subconscious mind may go to a place that the conscious mind hadn't even thought about or maybe even remembered uh, or remembered but never thought it was significant. And then we'll uh, explore, well, what were the beliefs that were created as a result of this particular event? Um, then we'll reframe them. And then there's a bunch of other lovely little strategies that we can do, including things like uh, making a, the person the best ever parent to themselves rather than relying on other people being their parent, um, merging the child uh, with the adult. Uh, another one which I really love is role, function, purpose, intention. So go to the place where the problem is. So quite often people feel it somewhere, like they might feel it in their throat or in their gut or even in their head, and they'll say, yes, it's like a throbbing or it's like a sharp pain or it's just a presence or it's a darkness. I've had some quite sort of scary descriptions. Um and then we'll go there and we'll give the part an opportunity to speak and to explain why, what it feels its role is. And more often than not, the role is protection. Sometimes it's punishment, but usually it's protection. And then we'll say to the part, well, how old do you think the patient or the person is? And the, the answer is usually whatever age it is when it first came in and decided that it needed to intervene. And in this moment, you can, I often hear, you know, suddenly the patient going, Oh yeah, that doesn't make sense. I'm not three anymore. <laughs> and, and so then we sort of talk about, well, how's it helping now? How's it serving? Is it time for it to retire or to leave? And then we go through a process of letting it go. Um, and then maybe replacing it with something more useful, like a coach or a mentor or a cheerleader. Uh, so that the role, function, purpose, and intention is something I really love and do quite a lot of. There's a whole, there's other things as well that we can do with RTT to do with health as well. Um, yeah, so I've helped people with anxiety, with performance anxiety, uh, with OCD, um, with uh, things like medical problems, um, just to get them to cope better with it. Because the thing is, if you have a medical problem, that's not taking, you know, we're not saying we're going to cure the medical problem, but if we're less stressed about it and if we're able to uh, come to the process with a calm mind and open to being receptive to, to treatment and all that sort of thing, it's more likely we're going to heal um, yeah. to a better state. Yeah, so I'm very interested in bringing in, obviously, my medical background again into the hypnotherapy. It's a great, like, it sounds like you've got, like, all the little bits of the puzzle with your skills in the background and the journey that you've been on and then use that to help people further forward in their journey and it feels like it all fits together really nicely as a piece of the puzzle. Well, it's taken time to get to that place, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I struggled. I was like, well, what am I? Am I a voice teacher? Am I a nurse? Am I, you know, a hypnotherapist? What am I? Because the other thing I do is resilience coaching. And, and I'm like, oh, no, they're my tools. They're my tools. Mm -hmm. I'm Lynn and I'm interested in helping people achieve their goals, uh, unravel the mess, you know, that they've got tangled up in. And I love that puzzle analogy because that's exactly me. You know, I love jigsaw puzzles. I love figuring out, you know, where the edges are and all the colours and putting it together and then having that whole piece in the end. 
And that's how I, which is probably comes from a little bit from nursing, you know, because we learn that in, in medicine, someone comes in with symptoms, we start to get this information and that information, we do some talking, you know, we look at history, we look at this, you know, the whole biopsychosocial aspect, and then we come to a potential, you know, we do an assessment and then we, and, and all the tests, and we come to a potential diagnosis. And then we can start to intervene with whatever happens. So I think I take that approach with what I do. I just haven't figured out how to, title it <laughs> I'm still in the process of figuring out how do i explain this to people because it's what I do. Unique. yeah um and i guess doing podcasts and things like there's one one way to do that yeah well absolutely it helps people to understand where you're mm. coming from and and why you have that insight from so many different aspects and that's yeah. what makes you uniquely positioned to understand all of those aspects and help mm. people in that way um, and I think it's great because you're you're not just helping singers now, are you? I mean, you're working with all sorts of people. Yeah, I've been able to branch out and work with, you know, in the corporate sector. I'm still developing that area of my business. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I've had software developers, um, you know, finance people, lawyers, uh, just all sorts of different people coming and um, and doing the work. So, yeah, yeah, because it's it's not uniquely singers that deal with stage fright, mm. essentially, yeah. is it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, my focus at the moment right now is burnout, actually. Burnout, something which is yeah, very that's frightening. A big problem just and now. I think a lot of people are experiencing it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's becoming the new... I was going to say, I should imagine the whole working from home thing didn't help that. Yeah. I think it helps some people. Yeah. But um, does it make it difficult for people to switch off? from work if work is there there is that aspect and in fact there's some some data to indicate that people are not switching off from work as much as they used to pre-pandemic which mm. is contributing to the whole burnout thing mm. you know there's a whole lot of factors that contribute to burnout expectations technology um the pressure of industry you know every, everything's impacted i i always say to people whenever we talk about this sort of thing, I blame the credit card. That's where it all started. <laughs> What's wrong with the credit card? <laughs> well, prior to the credit card, you used to have to save up. You used to mm. have to go and do a little bit of extra oh, work. And, oh, so, yeah. so I'm talking about my credit card. in general. Okay. Well, not credit in general. Credit card meant you could get it now. Yeah. Mm. Credit from a bank, you still had to go to the bank and convince the bank manager and show some, you know, initiative and savings and all that sort of thing. Credit card, you didn't have to do very much of that, especially as it's gone on. And so people sort of started to think, oh, well, if I want something, I just get it. And and I think it's and that along with, uh, you know, obviously the internet and television. Suddenly the mind starts to get trained into, and I've noticed it myself, for instance, with reading. I don't read novels. Like I, I used to read at least one novel a, a week. I haven't read a novel. Well, I've listened to a novels, excuse me, because I've kind of made myself. Um, but prior to that, prior to me actually making a conscious effort, you know, I hadn't read novels for years. And... And also when I start to read something, my attention span just isn't there anymore. Mm. And so I feel like the way life is, it's really changing the way that our brain works. And 
there used to like when I was um, when I was at uni, we were taught in education that the short term memory had the ability to remember five plus or minus two things. Now it's three plus or minus two things. Wow. Yeah. So that's not a good thing. Wow. <laughs> but that, that's so we're moving closer and closer to Dory. What <laughs> 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 often I feel like I am Dory. In fact, people have called me Dory because I forget certain things. But I just say there's just so much in my mind that I have to dump some of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The brain naturally wants to meander and wander. It, it, it doesn't. It likes doing that, and um, unfortunately, it's, it's very easy to with with Google. You know, to I mean, how many times have you gone to look up something, and then next thing you know, oh, yeah. three hours later, or is that just me? No, that's me no, too. That's everybody. Oh my yeah. lord! Mm. <laughs> no, I think we have to make very conscious efforts to create boundaries for ourselves. And I don't know if anyone follows Mel Robbins. Is it Robbins? No. Five Robbins? second rule. Yes, five second rule and the high five um, something. Anyway, one of the things that she was saying was that she doesn't believe in um, motivation. She says either you want to do it or you don't. Mm. Um, and she was saying we just have to realise that the only way we're going to do something that we don't want to do or that we need to do is if we talk to ourselves like our parents might have to talk to us. Because when we were children, we didn't want to clean our teeth. But we got, you know, told day in, day out, until eventually now it's a habit. Mm -hmm. And she said that's how you have to treat yourself. You have to treat yourself like the child and then have your adult self go, no, you will do that. <laughs> Find different strategies to help you. I love the five-second rule. I use that quite yeah, a lot. It's great, yeah. Um, what's, what's the five-second rule? Well, you count back five, four, three, two, one, and then you go and do it anyway. Okay. <laughs> like whether that's getting out of bed or making that phone call or writing an email or, um, yeah, so that's how I use it. Um, how do you use yeah, it, Yeah, me Tom? too. Yeah. Same, mostly getting out of bed in the morning, actually, you mm. know, and you just don't want to get up. So, you know, the five-second rule, it's that or um, going out in the rain with the dog. <laughs> 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 but it does help like and she has some great videos on her youtube channel talking about stuff and yeah. like her part i think she has a podcast as well now that's really yes. interesting yeah she just started that and she's, yeah so she's got the book each each thing that she created like the five second rule and the high five what's the high five um i've not seen the high five one i've got the five second rule book yeah. but i haven't seen the high five high one yet five, um so basically you just high five yourself in the mirror every morning regardless of whether um, you're feeling good or not because okay. obviously if you don't do it who else is going to do it you know <laughs> so it's just, particularly good for people oh it's the high five habit for people who are feeling down or um, yeah. depressed. Okay. Um, but it can also be for people who don't have a lot of confidence um, I incorporated in you know that and the five second rule in some of the work that I do in the coaching you know, as different as strategies. And that's that's what I've also incorporated a lot more into my work is strategies from other people who are really already, you know, rocking it in their particular area and, and Mel Robbins is very good at this stuff. Yeah. Her, in fact, just listening to her motivates me. 
I suppose that's a positive side of the internet and TikTok and Instagram mm-hmm. is that you do get exposed to these people that you might not sure. necessarily come across. And yeah. I suppose in this day and age of like, you know, 60 second reels and TikToks, like you get such condensed little packs of punch that you need sometimes just to get going mm. and then lead to the longer video or the book. But yeah, yeah, I do like Mel Robbins stuff. Her stuff's great. Yeah, I so with the Performer's Edge, I offer it also as a one-year coaching program. And we look at, you know, different people out there who have different strategies and books and I've got so many books on, that, you know, mindset and ha- creating new habits and all that sort of thing. Um, because I don't, look, I, I know I have seem to have a very broad understanding of lots of different things, but I'm no expert in everything and there's lots of things that I just don't have an understanding of or room for. <laughs> so if other people are out there doing it really well, why not? And I feel that's partly my role as the coach and the teacher as well is to have those kind of resources up my sleeve so that when someone comes along who seems to fit in, you know, to that need, then I've got some alternative office for them. Yeah, it's very powerful being able to refer out to people you know and, you know, you can trust Hmm. to, uh, you know, fill in the gaps. Yeah, well, I think singing teachers sometimes feel like they have to know everything. And it's like, actually, I feel very relieved that I don't have to know everything. Mm -hmm. But sometimes referring out is much more of a positive experience. Like, I remember the first time I referred a student to a, you know, more experienced voice teacher, I was like, was convinced the student wasn't coming back to me. But actually, it strengthened my relationship with that student because they trusted me more for trusting another teacher or their voice and so it, mm. like it, it when i got over my ego about it it benefited both of us in the long run yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i agree because for me when you quite often you'll hear stories about people who were obviously with somebody for far too long you know and then they come away with a negative experience of that mm. um and i always say to singing teachers there's always another student behind that student you know yeah there's always more absolutely hang on to them for dear life you know in fact letting them go might be the right thing um and then as you were saying tom quite often it's actually just an additional thing like that's what i enjoyed about the whole sls thing was that my students got to access these really great teachers who would basically stimulate them to the next stage and then i'd carry on you know absolutely doing that and i'd learned from it as well because yeah. i remember um once uh, one of the imts doing something with a student um and i i actually swore on on the uh on the day <laughs> going, what the f was that and it would never occur to me because so basically he took took her into whistle tone and I thought that the crack that I was hearing was that, oh, my gosh, that's as far as it'll go. He was hearing, ah, excellent, we're going to go into whistle in a sec. And so he pushed the voice higher and suddenly she went into whistle. And all of us were just, well, <laughs> the student and I were just like, what? <laughs> and I said, how did you hear that? How did you know to do that? And he goes, I don't know, it's just experience. And experience. I was like, and so now when I hear it. Now you're that person that's changed me. Teachers. But if I hadn't been able to refer my student to someone else, then I wouldn't have had that opportunity to learn that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's powerful. So, Lynn, if people want to find out more about you uh, and they want to maybe perhaps look up sessions with you, where can people find more information? 
Well, the obvious place is lynnhilton.com, spelled L-I-N-E, Hilton, like the hotel. And I'm available through all social media, including TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not very active on TikTok. I'm still trying to figure out how to use it. But definitely Instagram, um, Facebook page, and I do a little bit on Twitter. Uh, We've got one very final important question for you. Mm -hmm. The feature of our podcast is Biscuits of the World. Mm. So we like to ask our speakers what their favourite biscuit is, either from the country they live in or the country they're from. So what's your favourite biscuit? being Australian, I have to mention the Tim Tam. Oh, I'm so Uh, glad you did. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, I've had to teach some of my friends just recently how one consumes a Tim Tam in the appropriate Uh manner, which is with a hot cup of tea. Mm -hmm. I've been shown this by my sister. (laughs) You bite up a little (laughs) corner and then you... (laughs) Suck it up. Suck up the tea. I, you know, the I, my partner did not believe me when I told him that's what you do with him. He's like, no, that's rubbish. I was like, no, honestly, I had to go and look it up on YouTube to show him that it was I a real thing. I was to know who figured that out. I mean, it's, I just, know. it's like just handed down from generation <laughs> to generation in Australia. It's like it's one of those things you just know, um, but I'm sure someone started it at some point. Well, thank well, you so much, yeah. Lynn, for joining us today. <clears throat> Oh, you're yeah, welcome. It's been lovely and to chat. It's been lovely to chat. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Hopefully we'll see each other in person at some point. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> my, own, my own guinea pig. That's it. So that was Lynn. And as we said, as you've heard, she has many strings to her bows and has really interesting toolbox that she sits down and works with singers and in fact not just singers as she was saying she has many different ways that she can help people that are performing and using their voice and so i was sitting thinking i might have a little session with lynn and see if we can perhaps work on some of those limiting beliefs that are in my head i would love to see how you get on if you do that let let us know i would yeah i I do think that there's a huge number of people that would massively benefit from uh, the work that Lynn is doing, mm. um, you know, because as we know, our mindset is everything. And I, I, yeah, the number of students that come in and you just think you're holding yourself back and there's no yeah. need. You've got, you know, yeah. you've got everything you need to, to get on with it. Just get on with it. <laughs> I know. And that's heartbreaking sometimes when you see a singer and you're just like, you just can see this raw talent and potential that they have and they just can't see it in themselves. Mm. They just something's happened in their life and they're just carrying this vocal baggage around that just holds them back and some of them get over it and blossom and others you just see them like they never seem to they just get stuck and it's just as a voice teacher sometimes it gets frustrated at least for me anyway it gets frustrating because you're desperate to help them push past this point but it just doesn't sometimes work or click with them yeah and i do think at that point that is when referring out to somebody that is a specialist in that area is absolutely the right plan of action because we can't do everything, you know. As much as we like to think we know everything about everything as voice teachers, we are ultimate gods. We have all the answers. <laughs> we really don't. We have some of the answers, but uh, it's good to know the right people who might have the answers to the questions we can't answer. Exactly. And sometimes I think we let our, as we maybe let our egos get in the way. We, you know, the, our egos stop us from referring out because we want to be seen as the expert in our studio. But actually, and we've talked about this before, haven't we? But yeah. referring out to other people reinforces your expertise and your willingness to show your student that I'm willing to do what it takes to get you to where you want to be. And in many ways, they'll probably respect you even more for that than wasting their time and trying to like make things up and 
Absolutely. I agree. I mean, it, we, we wouldn't think anything of it if you went to see a doctor and they went, you know what, I need I need my uh, friend over here who's a specialist in something else yeah. to have a look Second and get opinion. their opinion. I mean, that's just normal routine, but normal procedure in that, that world. It's just in the voice world where we get, like you say, a little protective, oh, you go get some away. Yeah. Um, no, I and think sure it's if, useful. It's from a place, I mean, it's, it's from a place of trying to do good, isn't it? But... <laughs> Oh, absolutely. We but, just get a little bit stuck. Yeah, and it's useful. I mean, that to be honest, that's one of the things that makes the um, you know network of teachers we have in IVA kind of special. And certainly when I was coming up through the ranks training myself, I really appreciated being able to take a student to a higher level teacher and get them to teach my student when I got a bit stuck. Because it just, you never need to feel like you've got to make, have all the answers. You can go to somebody else who might have different experience, different expertise. Having that network of teachers is really valuable for that. Absolutely. That, I mean, I remember being a young teacher, starting out and having a male singer that was having problems in his chest area of his voice. But in my head, I was like, well, he's a man. He can't have problems with his, with finding his chest voice. And <laughs> It wasn't until I went to a more experienced teacher and they're like, it's okay, men do have problems sometimes finding their chest voice, you know, just because they, they talk all the time and it doesn't mean they can. And that really kind of, if I hadn't done that, I would just still probably been sitting four weeks later going, I don't know what's going on don't here. don't know what's wrong. <laughs> but the student um, appreciated it because they saw that instant transformation that they had been hoping for. And then I was able to then carry on with that and push forward. And it. That's it. You know, it's a benefit to both of us. I learned it something, is. they learned something. In fact, I cleared a limiting belief that I believed that men couldn't have chest voice problems. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. A nice little wrap up on the topic. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So what, what's coming up next, Tom? What's, what's, on ne what's on our next episode? So in our next episode, Heather and I were having a little chinwag about TikTok and talking about are we too old to be using TikTok and, and what actually is TikTok and how does it work? So we had a little bit of a chat and the diagnosis of Heather's TikTok account. So <laughs> it was it was a fun and interesting chat. Yeah, absolutely. You're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna tune in to listen to all my woes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So if, if yeah. people don't want to forget to listen in, what do they need to do to make sure that they they get the next podcast coming to them live and direct? Exactly. So now I have a new bit of a script for this. I was listening to, do you know Randy Rainbow? No. Oh, okay. Now you must, after this, go and look up Randy Rainbow on YouTube. Randy, Randy Rainbow. Sounds, sounds like a porn star. <laughs> is it? No, it's a stage. Randy Rainbow is an American uh, musical theatre performer who, who, during lockdown, okay. did all these skits about political things. So he takes like popular jokes, uh, popular songs in musical theatre, and satires them. I get for politics okay. and fun. So very funny. Um, but he's just released a podcast, and so he says, "Go to your favourite place where you find podcasts and search for our name, the Vocal Advancement Podcast. Click follow, subscribe, and rate us." There you go. Oh, that's very succinct. I like it. Is. it. Yeah, yes. so thank you, Randy Rainbow, for that. <laughs> <laughs> he has a very pink, sparkly podcast trailer. That I was like, ooh, that's quite mm, good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank yeah. you for listening today, yes. everybody who's out there listening. 
and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, not next week in a couple of weeks couple we'll be weeks. back with uh, some more fun and frivolity yeah and uh, all the stuff that Lynn was chatting about we'll put links in the show notes below so if you want to find Lynn get in touch with Lynn read more about her or book a session with her you can find that in the show notes Absolutely. and what was Lynn's favourite biscuit what was she telling us about <laughs> Well, see, she liked she liked the Tim Tams, didn't she? She did, and she reinforced that Tim Tams are to be used to drink your tea. Yes, partner still does not believe me about that. I have to admit that I've never actually tried it, but my sister has told me about this before. Um, so maybe I I should give it a go. I'm just worried about the the chocolate melting everywhere. Oh no, it's so good. We had Tim Tams yesterday, and I did it. And my partner was like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? So good! It's so good." Mm, lovely let's give it a go so then tune in next time have a great day and we'll see you soon bye bye